Cool. Well, thanks everyone for t tuning into this uh, kind of experimental live interactive podcast. Um, I'm sure many of you are probably wondering how the how we set this all up. Um, I, I'm actually we're using uh, an app called Be Live, B E L I V E, and uh, after fumbling around and searching on how to do a split screen podcast, realized that Facebook Live couldn't actually do it, and this one does it really well, uh, at least so far. Uh, we did a quick test and last night, and so I think this will be. This is my recommendation for those of you that want to do something like this with your friends or with um, if you want to do a musical something w w and share it and have it be kind of interactive. I think this is uh, I think it's worth looking into this app. Um, it's called Be Live TV, B E L I V E dot TV. And um, yeah, cool. Um, well, thanks, Gus, for coming on. Um, this is sure. something that is part of the, my hobby on the side is is maintaining um, this Choir Nerd podcast, which I've had you on in the past, and we've talked about early music history and in Seattle, um, the past and present and future. And now I have you back on to to talk about, um, I guess, a dark future that we did not that we didn't see coming. And so I so I just want to thank you for coming and spending your time with me here online and um, being a guest on this uh, show, I guess. Sure, yeah. And hopefully we can uh, brighten, brighten the future up to whatever degree we can. Yeah. So um, and a lot of creative energy has been released by these new restrictions. And um, I'm, I'm kind of excited actually about certain uh, opportunities. Yeah, that's great. And I just want to re remind people that are just tuning in that feel free to, you know, pop in the comment section uh, any questions you might have and we'll and we'll try to um, get to them as best we can. Um, so I guess, Gus, let's just get get to the first important things. Um, how are you holding up? How are you and your family holding up during this time? Um, well, it's like um we had already decided that early music Seattle, we would all work from home. And so luckily I had a home office uh, set up and it was, uh, I came really late to technology. So everything is a struggle from turning on the machine to what we're doing today. Um, my family personally is, um, uh, we're struggling this with this to a certain degree. My wife is a clinical psychologist and going from working um, in person to working completely online is a challenge. Um, so um, in our immediate circle, we have neighbors that are um, threatened by the disease that were kind of looking out for some folks on the block and whatnot. So it kind of changes your orientation. You know, we're focused, um, we're focused on our home and the people that we know and people that we can see and, and help in some way. So yeah, it's, it's really unnerving and unsettling. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, sort of thankfully on our side, um, you can see people are tuning in. You can see Margaret kind of walking around. Margaret, say hello. Hello. Oh, my head's in the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, thankfully most of our, our livelihood um, is, can be done at home um i guess that might be that might come to a surprise for some people um me being out and about and doing choir stuff um actually my uh, i can do a lot of the work um, I, at trinity at from home thankfully and so we're actually we i feel we feel quite fortunate that we're that we're in a place where we can kind of at least at the moment kind of weather the storm that i guess may not fully be here yet but um yeah it's it's really odd times it's really strange um because it's we've never had something like this before so it's kind of hard to know how alarmist to be about things like how how mm -hmm. worried to be but um you know it's not 
I don't know. I actually, I just found out someone I know personally who has ha uh, contracted the infection. Um, I just learned of about one person today, but otherwise it's sort of out of my sight. So it's hard to, what's more salient to me is the, is the sort of economic um, fallout from, from all the precautions we're taking, which for, sh which are all necessary uh, in my, and, um, yeah. but that's, you know, that, that's a, that's a hard thing to, to see. I know a lot of people uh, have lost uh, jobs and, um, you know, are trying to figure out what to do now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, how's early music Seattle doing? Um, well, uh, we've, we've officially canceled two concerts so far in March. We had a Cuban, uh, ensemble coming to Seattle for the very first time. And it was just as things were heating up that they were planning to arrive. And it wasn't really clear. Um, it was just like right around mid March at March 14th. And if you remember back, um, uh, uh we were all worried, but we, nobody really knew what was going to happen. Right. And so we pulled the plug on that concert really just a few days before. And um, to great uh, confusion for everybody, the, the group ended up canceling a tour. Um, but it, it was the Seattle concert and the, the pulling of the Seattle concert that kind of made it um, obvious that that needed to happen. So the way we left it was we would reschedule as soon as we possibly could, but uh, we couldn't pick a date at that point, not knowing what was coming. Mm -hmm. And so that just recently we've announced um, that our concert with Rachel Barton Pine in, uh, in mid-August, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, mid-April um, is also going to be canceled. And uh, again, we couldn't really move to reschedule at this point. We have a concert at the very end of May, which we're keeping on the books for now. But of course, it doesn't look too promising that we'll be able to to follow through with that concert. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's funny. Just as soon as uh, I guess our audiences are are really savvy because as soon as things uh, started up in the news around uh, uh, coronavirus, ticket sales kind of just dried up. You know, it, yeah. there was, I don't know if you will remember the date, maybe it was the same date, but from that date forward, uh, no tickets were sold to anything. And uh, um, people were quiet. They weren't calling us, uh, asking about performances, but yeah. they were mostly waiting, uh, I think, to hear from us. Yeah, I think uh, that happened to us too. I, uh, Bird Ensemble had a concert in the sort of queued up and so did the uh, another choral group that I that I do called Radiance and um yeah things started getting serious and <laughs> ticket sales dried up and then actually started picking up but mm -hmm. um, it, I realized that that was that was mostly from people just buying tickets to support um the event anyway even though it wasn't happening um were you that able to get a refund on the flights for your Cuba musicians it's not completely clear. I mean, when they canceled them, and this was one of the reasons why it was so um, such a cliffhanger as to whether to cancel, because there was thousands of dollars worth of money invested in flights. And of course, we didn't know how the airlines would respond at that point. Their policy was fairly rigid about a canceled event or canceled uh, flight. Yeah. Since then, as you know, they've, they've uh, come back with like, uh, uh, a, a broad uh, deadline for rebooking, which may even be extended. Uh, so wow. the airlines are being pretty generous. They want to be sure that um, that they're seen as cooperating with what's going on. So, so we think that the ensemble won't be uh, you know, th that these uh, musicians in general won't be uh, put to some huge financial test to make this work out in the future. Right. Uh, yeah, we've had to. If Alaska Airlines has been pretty good about um, refunding tickets, and uh, so uh, I was able to get a few singers refunded. But if anyone out there uh, is needs to get that done, you got some Alaska Airlines tickets. You should totally 
go on their website and see if you can get them canceled. It it looks like they won't cancel or, or refund you, but they but towards the end of that process they do. Um, Delta know. same, yeah. Delta uh, same. Yeah, they're they're working toward generosity, and I bet most of the airlines will follow suit. Um, yeah, I think they and, would like to come out of this with good customer relations. Oh, I bet. I mean, no doubt they're. Yeah, they're worried about this too. Um, if any if any new people have tuned in, I do hope you'll throw a comment or a question or something if you if you want. Um, trying to make this uh, as interactive as as we can, um, but we do have a line of a line of uh, topics we want to cover. Hey there, hey, Mark. Mark just chimed in. You, most people may know Mark as the Citroen player with the Baltimore Consort. Oh, and he also. Um, uh, runs an early music series in Indianapolis. Oh, cool. Uh, wonderful, wonderful concert series there. Cool. Thanks for so, tuning Mark, in. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you'll have questions and we'd love to, we'd love to address them. So yeah. how is, how is early music Seattle doing as an organization? Um, as at least as much as you can share with us. Yeah, I can be frank. We're certainly threatened by this. Uh, like uh, most mid-sized arts organizations, we don't carry a lot of cash. Um, so um, uh, the, the timing is uh, is difficult. Um, we're just going into our resubscription period. Um, one thing I should mention is for the concerts that we've canceled so far, almost everyone has donated their tickets. Yeah, ours too. That's great. Almost everyone. And then uh, we're canceling a fundraiser uh, that was associated with our April concert that Rachel Barton Pine was going to be the headliner at our fundraiser. Um, people are making the donations that they would have made by raising the paddle. They're just calling them in. So our supporters, for the most part, um, get the situation that we're in. Um, uh, uh, of course, so the single ticket revenue has not uh, materialized for the concerts that we have this year. We've just announced and sent out our early bird solicitation for next season. And we're really hoping that people will look ahead uh, to better days, um, buy tickets and make donations in support of next season. And um, our also, also our big push right now, um, our short term fundraising need is to be able to pay as much as we can to the musicians that we've contracted for this year's concerts that we've had to cancel. Yeah. So as people are being generous, that's the first thing on our list is, is to, uh, is to pay, especially the local artists, our Seattle Baroque orchestra players. Um, we'll get to that later, but, but people who freelance in early music and classical music and every other kind of music are under tremendous uh, pressure right now. Yeah. And, and, I think our, our organizations differ in, in a couple of interesting ways. Um, you know, you're more midsize and we're, I don't know if there's a size smaller than small, mini size maybe, but uh, you know, you, you're in a, um, oh, hey, is it Abel? Yeah, that's Abel Rocha. Abel Rocha. Um, incredible folklorist, uh, guitarist. Um, I could list all the instruments that he plays, but it would be a very, very long list. And also Trio Guadalivine, uh, the performance with that ensemble, uh, Los, uh, Los Flacos, uh, uh -huh. Mexican folklore music, and Correo Ario, uh, he performs with Madeline uh, Sozin. Oh, cool. Gus, you have quite the following that's jumped in the comment section suddenly. Um. Yeah, well, I, I feel blessed to, to uh, know some wonderful people in our field. And, yeah. uh, cool. Well, um, one of the differences I see is that you are in, um, a, uh, you're operating in an arts world where your players may depend more on the income from these freelance gigs than mine. Um, in the Bird Ensemble, I think every, most I think everybody has a, um, a totally different job. Actually, um, two of us work in music and have, and I've cobbled together something of a musical life to make a living. Um, but uh, this isn't, you know, the income our singers get um, isn't 
you know, isn't what's paying the utility bill. And um, whereas I gather that in the players that, you know, do this freelance work as a living, you know, flying around, playing these very specialized instruments all over the world, uh, rely on this stuff. Um, and I, I just can't imagine they're getting hit pretty hard. And I, and I'm maybe my surmise that even larger organizations, um, you know, that, that we'd throw into the large category um, are maybe suffering or are kind of facing a, even a more extreme worry. Yeah, I'm uh, you, you, to the freelancers for a second. Yeah, it's exactly that. We have um, uh, people living among us. In, and just to name a few, Curtis Foster, our principal Baroque oboist in Seattle Baroque performs. super all, good. Just yep. who knows. That guy uh, is filthy. Yeah, performs all over the West Coast, East Coast, and abroad. Um, and uh, Chris Quapis, uh, fabulous Baroque uh, trumpeter. Uh, again uh plays all over uh all over the world uh and even with that uh, uh and i could name many others uh, um these people work really hard under the best of conditions yeah um, if you're in a if you're in a city for a week playing um a project you can't be uh in another city simultaneously doing another project unlike a lot of consultants or business folks who can keep many irons in the fire. Like music happens in a in the real time in a consecutive sort of way, right. not simultaneously. So so they've dedicated their lives to this and um and under the best of conditions are working really hard to make it work out. Um teaching works uh for some people in this profession, but not for everybody because they have to be available to travel and play. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah um they need help they need support yeah uh, so what is mark talking about here <laughs> uh, mark so glad to hear about uh your attempts to pay artist fees gus this is so important especially uh if we expect artists to keep uh paying travel expenses well in advance of future concerts i'm proud to say india indianapolis early music though not uh though not canceled at this point, is committed to paying all artist fees for the spring concerts and summer series. Wow, well, bless you, you know, uh, you're looking after the artists that we're gonna need um, when we're through this, we're gonna need the support of these artists. We're gonna need their support now as we make a case to the public about why what we're doing is important. You know, the the uh the arts world we're in which is the arts world we're in requires it's a kind of gathering of people right to show up to a concert and to share in this art together and to and and they buy they buy tickets to be a part of it and that's how we pay that's how we pay our, our musicians um, and that is and that is a key in um marketing um aspect actually you know the the more sort of on demand the world goes you know you can really get anything you want on demand on youtube or whatever for you know for a fraction of a ticket price actually but what we're but what we focus on selling at the moment is is the experience is the it's like when people go to church on sundays you know they show up they want to have a kind of experience in the moment and that's what you know. That's where what we're what we focus on delivering. But we, you know, this this pandemic has has kind of nudged things in a totally different direction. I mean, uh, I was talking to Lauren Kasanis. Hello, Lauren, uh, who I see has uh, thrown in there a comment. Thank you. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, that we got, you know, we got to to this shelter in place quite quickly. Um, but coming out of it. Uh, we think will be quite slow and um, that can't do anything but hurt, you know, the, our, the arts chances of getting people to gather again. I mean, I can't imagine um, that our audience base who are, who, you know, are not in their twenties and thirties um, <laughs> uh, will be, will be eager to come out and gather again in concert settings um 
have you thought about that? Um, I don't know. What, what's your, what's your, what's your reaction to that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our subscriber and donor base is um, in their sixties, seventies and up. So the most, um, um, the, the population that's the most at risk here, um, of course, we're, we're thinking about, um, their safety and, um, uh, uh, protecting them in this whole process. Um, also, uh, I'm, I'm constantly shocked how many people older than me are, are as tech savvy or more tech savvy and rely on the internet. But of course, many don't. Um, and the whole commitment to early music for some people is to have sort of an analog experience, uh, yeah. right down to, you know, you're in a, in a, a hall that's designed for acoustic performance and, uh, uh, so, so we're suddenly we're asking people to maybe consider um, uh, connecting to music online, and um, many will will be able to, and will probably seek it out in that way. Uh, but it may be a challenge for others, and uh, it, it, we're not going to wait. And in the interim of getting things open again, we have to deliver what we do the way we are talking right now. I mean. Yeah. Which agree? Yeah. Yeah. I de yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt uh, a little bit claustrophobic creatively, creative, creatively, um, mm -hmm. uh, with this whole with this whole thing. And so this is. I'm glad I found at least some kind of outlet to feel like I was doing something. I want to get to Lauren's question. Uh, uh, seems like smaller than. Smaller than small orgs like Bird Ensemble are more insulated from the crisis and likely to survive. Totally true. Where larger orgs may not, what role do you think those small organizations will have as we come out of all of this? Oh man, I don't know, Gus. Do you have? Do you? You might have a better perspective on this. I mean, I. Uh, yeah, I. We don't. We don't know the financial condition of the really large organizations and um and quite frankly a lot of organizations aren't really forthcoming about their financial challenges it doesn't encourage uh their donor base to know that they're living close to the bone yeah. um but probably many are so as lauren is saying um some bigger organ organizations may um may not be able to kind of go dormant um, and also may have all sorts of obligations, both contractual, you know, to employees that um, could put them in difficult situations. Um, I think organizations our, our size can weather this. Yeah. Um, we're thinking about how to do it. Um, yeah. I, uh, I guess if we're answering her question, it could be that maybe the smaller organizations will have a larger role in the cultural conversation. Yeah. I'm uh, I think one thing that we that we can at least that Bird Ensemble uh, can do at least what we've done is like pay our you know co commit to to paying the fees that we were that we had planned on giving. I mean, just because it's so it's so just the way we run, we're able to do that. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, our last concert was canceled, though in lieu of it, we had that King FM broadcast. Um, so we basically just treated that as a concert and were able to pay everyone as normal. But even if that had canceled, we, we were, we were ready. We, we had enough in, in our little savings account and a little piggy bank to, to do that. And I think uh, that seems like generally, maybe that's obvious, but if organizations can pay, pay their musicians, you know, through this, that they, that I think they have a, you know, without closing shop, I think they, they have a duty to do that. Right. But if they don't maintain some infrastructure, like if 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 an organization did that um, in lieu of maintaining its own in infrastructure and being able to come back later, yeah, then then that doesn't serve musicians or you know the the greater good either. So it's right. a fine line, you know. Organizations are probably trying to figure out what they can do and still like and still maintain. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we did this King FM broadcast and it just also pushed my mind into this new era of, of media consumption that we're all going to have to 
live in for a while, this sort of digital world. Describe that whole thing, Mark, because it was pretty remarkable. <laughs> um, yeah, well, they, they emailed, you know, King FM has been a great ally to, um, to the Bird Ensemble and to, to Radiance and to a lot of the other groups around here, I think. They've, uh, EMS, you know, they, sure. they, they're really good. You know, we, I was on a King FM focus group and uh, we were talking about the value of King FM and, and especially in this world where, you know, you, you really can just get, you know, an algorithm to curate a playlist of your specific taste these days, you know, you, and, and you lose touch with who's performing. You even don't even know what the, who the composers are or, or, you know, who the songwriters are because it is so good at um, giving you what you want. And so, you know, it kind of begs the question, well, what, what's radio for? And so um, <laughs> one of the things that I think we all came to is that it, it has a, it plays a role in um, public arts and, uh, and the, per the personalities on King FM are, are pretty unique and um, their commitment to connecting with groups like us is um, incredibly helpful and uh, we feel so fortunate that they're around. Um, yeah. So we, they approached us, they knew that we canceled our concert, we jumped on it and um, it was really difficult. I had originally thought about singing, you know, in the group, singing in the line, um, but six feet apart in a circle, that proved to be really difficult. I mean, because that's sorry. when the six feet rule came into, into play about that yeah. time, right? Yes, and it's really hard to sync up with each other when you're that spread out. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it was so so. I opted to just jump in the middle of the line and and wave my arms around there uh, uh, um, while doing it. Uh, the the King FM the King FM's new studios were um, are bigger now, uh, and so there were there's there was ample space to spread out and to do the social distancing. Um, it was dry. I mean, th these are always tough conditions and. And as musicians, you just worry that um, it's not going to be as polished as, say, like a CD that you'll you'll put out there, um, just because of the format. But you know, what I was really struck by were all the comments people had about how they experienced the broadcast, how they made an event of it, and uh, I'm sure part of it was the times, uh, the you know the 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 Corona times that is, and they. You know, great stories about families lying down on the living rooms and pillows, and and um, you know, some people had it up uh, on their deck with can candlelit deck with uh -huh. their virtual friends listening in on screens. You know, like they were kind of together virtually listening to this thing together. So it was very touching to hear all these stories. And you know, I kind of put up a Facebook question like, "What is it about this that you like?" Um, because um, you know, it's mm -hmm. not not a perfect representation of the product of the art that we put out but um there's something about there's something old school about it you know like 20s radio like getting <laughs> together and like huddling around a you know something we need maybe right now but this this is making me wonder like what the future is of how people are going to going to experience art now that we can't do that together in a place and uh, actually one other interesting comment that a friend of mine had um Jakob, um one of the singers uh, that i that i work with said that he actually finds it more of a communal experience than mm -hmm. in concert live because you know in concert you're you're among um, you know a crowd of people but you're not interacting with each other you're kind of uh experiencing this thing sort of in on a very individual level mm -hmm. um, Whereas, you know, you can kind of talk to your friends while you're experiencing this concert, have a drink, you know, it's at the comfort of your own, of your own, own home or wherever. Um, so well, I don't know, what, what, I mean, what do you think about that? Um, how, you know, I, I mean, maybe the, the, uh, the parallel time in this century was, uh, um, you know, the, the advent of radio. Uh, I don't know the timing exactly, you know, 1920s or slightly before when um, uh, live radio broadcasts became possible. These weren't uh, necessarily recorded. They were mm -hmm. live performances. And you remember back in the days of the, uh, you know, the, the such and such radio orchestra, 
Um, mm-hmm. And they were employed to give live concerts on the radio. And, and maybe some of our listeners know more about this history than, than we do. But it, it probably seemed like a revolutionary idea, you know, create an orchestra that's going to do, that's going to perform live on the radio um, once a week. And um, that performance will be just put out there. The idea is not to make a CD of it or necessarily record it, although a lot of, probably a lot of them are recorded. But, but it was a live experience that you were getting uh, in your living room. And it must have been huge, yeah. uh, you know, to, to be able to turn on a little box and have the uh, NBC symphony um, come out. So maybe this is like you had that experience. Yeah. I mean, I, and, you know, it, I find it analogous to, you know, how, how videos go, how some viral, you know, how some videos go viral. Um, or get suddenly a million shares. And it's actually, it, it, it's more honest or it's it, just the raw video, like a cell phone video is likely to get more attention than like a produced one. And I mm-hmm. think maybe, you know, maybe media has curated our minds to sort of automatically distrust something that has been super curated or super produced. Yeah, so there's yeah. something um, maybe like in the honesty of the delivery that people are more interested in or that just strikes a more personal chord. Um, yeah, uh, maybe is, so. Yeah, it's just why I've actually kind of pulled back from, you know, I used to do like uh, marketing social media snippets, like super produced ones, like where I brought out my fancy stuff and during rehearsal captured something worth putting out there. Um, but um turns out you know just a little cell phone snippet of, of the content being super interesting goes much further and also the some of the stuff you've put out where you've got the the cell phone on while you guys are maybe having the after party or mm-hmm. or the pre-concert party or some kind of social gathering among you where you're you're showing your personalities people get to know who you are yeah and then they they want they want your music as a result yeah, but you know, going from the produce side, there there's some, a, a couple of good examples of people who are a bit ahead of their time. Um, there's a company called uh, Lou Media. I'm not sure exactly where they're based. Uh, uh, Juliana Amansky is, I think, the musician in charge, and she was in Seattle for a while. A uh, wonderful singer, and she got together with a, a video artist, and they do performances of early music set to very compelling and elaborate um, videography mm-hmm. that will kind of really redefine um, the old music or put it in a different context. And I think they play live performances occasionally as fundraisers. Um, yeah. the, the goal is to create um, video art and music. And I think uh, people that are doing this are a bit ahead of their time. Um, so, I mean, there's a role for the for the kind of uh, ultra uh, produced side of it too, very mm-hmm. creative, and maybe we're going to spur that forward too in the, in these times. Yeah, um, and if just a reminder, if people are just tuning in, hey David, thanks for your comment again. Um, if you're tuning in, feel free to throw a comment in there, and we'll try to answer those as they as they come up. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I do think, I don't know, I've always, I always think about, you know, what, what we're trying to sell. Is it is it the music that we're trying to sell or are we trying to sell ourselves? Um, you know, is it in a brand, a nice little buzzword that love to throw around? You yeah. Know, when, you know, when people are responding to like an after concert drink fest, you know, are they, are they, you know, they're they're responding to our personalities. They're responding to like what they think of the image of what you know. It in in the in these post drinking concert times, it's either you know a bird ensemble concert or a radiance concert. It's like oh, like they're down to earth people. They're you know, yeah. um, But you know, is it that's a that's a branding. Um, you know what what are these people coming then to to experience some you know English Renaissance music. Um, but it is something that I always think about. Um, yeah, when yeah. I'm trying to sell some, when I'm trying to market a concert. 
Yeah, I I think it's um, I think it is it's it's so important, and I don't know if it's a chicken and egg thing. Um, there are artists that we've had on our series for years who keep coming back again and again, and our audience gets to know them. Yeah. Uh, Jordi Zaval is an example, the the Spanish um, viola de gambas, who has actually moved in many areas of music and uh, music from all times and places. And and now, you know, because I think of his credibility uh, that he's created as an artist with such a broad uh, reach, when he says something about what music means, everybody listens. And yeah. and I think it, I think he got his platform to be able to do that um, legitimately through sort of valuing music from everywhere and uh, creating programs that were really compelling. And then, you know, if you've got something to say about what music means, then, then, then it's worth listening to. I, and, and of course people, uh, connect to those comments in a very personal way. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and I actually do think it's the role of, uh, the artist to show themselves, um, right. And and not so much for a branding and marketing point of view, but um, so that we all are just reminded that art is the art is in all of us at, at all times, and you know we we've all we've all got um, got this ability to connect uh, through it. Yeah. Um. You know, I just yeah, and with the new. You know, just going back to this new media format of having to do stuff online, um, it's not perfect. You know, it's not the same as experiencing a concert live. Um, there are, unfortunately, still limitations. Even with our King FM broadcast, we apparently there are, people said we, there are still pops and clicks that I, I think are that King FM knows about, and and they're trying to work through that. They have a web page actually talking about that and. Um, you know, the, just the quality that you get out of a Facebook Live video. Um, a lot of the Facebook Live videos out there are just not, you know, just not the same by any measure, by, by yeah, by a lot. And, um, you know, do I wor do people wor care about that? You know, it's, it's a, a, I hope not, because this seems like the way of the future. Yeah, yeah, I... Um, uh, you know, listening to the scratchy radio broadcasts in the twenties, I don't know what that was like for people. I mean, they must have known they weren't in a concert hall, or or think of the wax cylinder. If you if if you've oh, ever, uh, you know, I've heard the sort of cleaned up versions of uh, Caruso singing on the wax cylinder. It's still pretty atrocious, but clearly yeah. people were moved by by what was on that piece of wax. You know, right, <laughs> so right. I doubt it is a, a, a limitation in the long run. And, and also I think a little bit about the, uh, um, the, uh, the evolution of listening now from, you know, I grew up in the hi-fi days. And if you look behind me, you can see a pair of these six foot Magnapan speakers because back in the eighties, we thought, you know, you had to create the concert hall live in your house with all of the acoustics. So I've got my old eighties hi-fi. But now people are just as moved from um, an MP3 squawking out of their phone of, of of great music, and they're feeling all the emotion. So, so yeah, I think it's um, I think we're fooling ourselves that 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 we can't move to other platforms and 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 keep people engaged. That's so forward thinking of you. I hope you're right. <laughs> I just can't I'm, imagine. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah well mark maybe this is a corollary so your performance six feet apart in the concert hall that was, was last week yeah uh, i'm assuming about the time and now we've got other restrictions at least for the foreseeable future so is that the last yeah. concert like that was that the first and last like what what can we do what can we do with the current restrictions God, that's a really good question. Um, well, well, we're we're effectively in uh, sort of shelter in place, so you can't can't leave unless we're doing something essential. Um, so I think, 
you know, we just have to produce stuff from our homes. Um, and I honestly haven't figured out what work, what, you know, let's say it extends like a year or something. I mm -hmm. honestly don't know what we're going to do. Um, you know, we could do maybe if the restrictions loosen up by the fall, we could do like a concert, you know, in an empty space and um, do a broadcast, you know, a live broadcast of it to the world. Mm -hmm. um, I'll definitely want to figure out how to get the best streaming quality um, to do that. Um, but other short of that, I don't really know what, what we can do. Um, yeah. Have you, have you thought about that? I'm kind of wondering, and I'd certainly love to get comments from people. Um, uh, but somehow I just think that if, if um, a person is in their home and they are um, uh, playing music and delivering it, either streaming or a recently recorded video, and it has an informal feeling about it and the acoustics are not stellar, but it's from the heart and yeah. it's in some kind of musical format that's recognizable that right now, um, right now it could be a very important uh, moment for people and a very important message. And um, I mean, I would like for that to be true for myself. I have this room full of instruments around here and, and I'm thinking, well, what if I, you know, my daughter is a bass player. So could we put together a little concert and, and deliver it to our relatives via a YouTube link. You know, that would be really meaningful for me being stuck yeah. here and having, a, you know, like a few people around who are in your circle. Uh, maybe you could uh, make the agreement that, you know, we're, we're going to be within 10 feet of each other, six feet of each other. Um, I'd like to think that that, that, that can be our, our music for a little while. Yeah. I mean, it is, this is, new territory and i think the arts will need to rethink their role in it i mean we we have lived in a you know the concert environment where we again required people to show up and and to support us that way and to experience it in a totally different way i mean what mm -hmm. i just maybe just have a more worrying outlook on the digital side you know because when you post no matter how honest it is so different from you know the concert setting you know like every you're basically hoping people will support you for being you like it's yeah. not you know everyone there's a million you know uh, recordings of bird talus bach out there um why would they support you well because they like you and they're you know they're your friend and family and they want to see you get through this but um mm -hmm. i am i don't have for me i don't know what this will look like. I mean, uh, at least going forward, like having, a, having an economy around, around um, the arts uh, in the digital world, the, you know, and, and this has made me think about how we're going to fund things in the future. I mean, yeah. our, we offer so many things for free artists do. Um, you can, your music is up online um, on, you know, on a streaming service somewhere. And it's, as a producer, you have the option to opt out of the free streaming services, but that just seems totally stupid to me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you want people to listen to your music, so you should just let them, you know, in whatever medium is whatever's happening at the moment, you know, like withholding your, you know, you know, millionth recording of whatever, it's not gonna help you. Um, so I, I just think we, some people um, just want to fight back against that, you know, mm -hmm. the the availability of music um, at the expense of artists' livelihood, which is a totally fair um, fair thing to push back against. But you know, at at some point, you have to roll with the punches. You have to adjust with the times, and um, you know that is that has made it difficult for artists to figure out how to make money. So we. We can on concerts now, um, mm -hmm. but now that's not available to us. So, you know, I, I've been kind of, I've always been kind of toying around with the subscription idea, like Netflix. 
Mm-hmm. Like people give a not a loads of people give a little bit of money to um to Netflix because they provide them a service of you know watching a million movies um at mm-hmm. whenever, whenever they want to and i and i've been i've been wondering lately if the arts can go that direction you know and that would be actually a healthier um uh, like funding model than than the live or die concert one in a way but you really have to figure out what your product will be you know what you will um what your you know are you going to offer a concert a month you know in a certain in a certain way that and that everyone can see that's super accessible mm-hmm. incredibly available and then you just try to accumulate you know some x number of subscribers paying you some amount of money a month i mean i i, I honestly think this is this is um something that is worth dwelling on for the future of our um arts organizations have you thought about something like that before it, it, it's it sounds like a, an, an attractive uh, uh, format to me i'm always worried when the for-profit world uh is in charge of something like this and when yeah. i look at what the options are at Net, with netflix we've got netflix and um, um we realize that we're getting a, a more carefully curated experience every time we watch something new on it and yeah. and then pretty soon um does it does it alter your tastes to where your tastes become even more narrow and more focused oh yeah i thought about that very same thing sorry keep going well so so what we've been doing lately is um when frustration hits um we'll drive to scarecrow video on roosevelt in the u district uh probably what the last um old-fashioned non-for-profit um uh dvd rental place video rental place where you can walk in and they have stuff that you know is totally amazing and we realize oh man this is this is what we want we don't want um a fully curated experience by a for-profit organization um so i would this thing would have to be set up with the highest goals in mind um but it, it seems like so necessary um the fact that we've left uh left the arts um adrift in the um, environment of capitalism and uh, the American system of of buy everything, pay for everything, is another huge uh, limitation that's coming home to roost right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't talked to my Canadian uh, colleague, Matthew White, at Early Music Vancouver. In fact, he would be a great guest for you to bring on. Yeah. Um, but the Canadian system is is funded more directly from the federal government. I, uh, last I heard, it was about sixty percent of organizational funding uh, comes from the the, the government. Yeah. Um, so is there is there infrastructure there that's going to leave these organizations in a better place when this is over? Mm-hmm. And is is there um, uh, a uh, uh, an ability for a broader range of cultural tastes to be served because it isn't a commercial venture, yeah. um, fully commercial venture. So I, we, I think we desperately need something along those lines in the U.S. Uh, it would be nice to think that we could come out of this with that realization. Yeah. No, those are all those are all good points. I mean, the, what I what I kind of imagine isn't so much like a. I guess the Netflix was a bad. Uh, was a bad one, bad example to throw in, but like say a service like um, like ButcherBox, which we just got, you know, it's oh. a service that brings you meat, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it, you know, not meat that they've decided that you like based on your Facebook cookies, but mm-hmm. uh, but uh, just meat that you want, and you know, could could we deliver arts that way um, in the future and have people pay? going to the door behind you is and receiving a package was oh, yeah. what a was big that? Of meat. oh how cool is this we just uh just arrived hot off the press our our uh um new scotland and england renaissance uh, that we recorded in scotland last summer thank you um and anyway so, yeah, that's, that's a valuable item that you can mail to people <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> it is a cd 
<laughs> stands for compact disc. Yeah. We'll put a link to what that is below. Um, <laughs> you would feel like it seemed like maybe it'd make the rounds to make that um, um, hot now. You know how records are. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, Kip. Kip's a friend of mine. Yeah. Kip, you still go to Scarecrow? That's that's awesome. I, oh, I for some reason pretty. thought they went under, but maybe they were threat of going under, but survived. Yeah, I think they did not. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, so I mean, or, you know, another example of this sort of subscription model would be like churches. You know, people pledge some money um, to be a part of it and um, they can, you know, you, that's something that people can experience. Maybe we just have to offer concerts more regularly, you know, once a month and um, people, that, and then you can also get it online somehow. Um, but mm -hmm. there, there's got to be something we can do that goes this direction to make our stuff more, our work more financially sustainable. But I, I do, I, I'm super interested in this direction also that you've put forward of, um, you know, where the government or, or federal funding, dedicated federal funding um, goes towards the arts as well. Yeah, I mean, it. Um, Montreal is a city that I've been spending a little more time in lately, and uh, uh, the the province of Quebec and the, the very specific funding model that they have there has allowed a really rich, um, vibrant music scene, and specifically early music, to evolve there with uh, so many artists doing so many different things. Of course, there's never enough resources, um, um, but the result is just such a rich community and um, and people uh, have a chance to really practice their craft and develop it and, and hone it as a result of that. And, and um, you know, it, it would just, it, it would just give so many of these talented people that are struggling this, um, not, it's not exactly a safety net, it's an opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. David, Patreon is uh, definitely on the radar. Yeah. Um, Amy had something to say. Uh, she threw in, if this lasts for a while, I think people will be starved for entertainment and some sort of connection. Yeah. Um, hopefully the opportunities will be endless. It will be a challenge and it will be a leaning curve to, to discover new ways to have performances. She also loves to go to Scarecrow. Um, yeah, you know, we hope that at the end of this we'll get a huge spike in in uh, attendance. You just feel like people, you know, the yeah. moment we were joking with friends about this last night, last night, the moment they let bars open, hopefully they'll do it like on a on a weeknight, so it's not <laughs> just totally swarmed with thirsty people like myself. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway. And you know, and just one more comment about yeah, the whole yeah. experience. Like the one thing that is is going to be very hard to replace with with any of the models that we're talking about that are online is um, is what happens in a lobby at an arts event before the performance starts, when um, people who know each other or are familiar with each other and may only see each other under these circumstances uh, reconnect and. Yeah. And then, as they're walking in, they're taking um, they're taking with them this sort of like not just their consciousness, but the consciousness of this group yeah. that they that they've connected with before. And um, I just uh, because Early Music Seattle, formerly Early Music Guild, has had such a loyal audience for such a long time. Um, when all of those people walk in together, they actually like create the atmosphere. Um, before the first note is played or sung, that that the that it's just like a petri dish for the artist. You know, <laughs> they're they're like mm -hmm. so comfortable in that in that world that's being created, and it's just a bunch of people concentrating uh, and giving their attention, and it is in the air. Um, it is going to be really hard to. Uh, to it, it it's terrible to think about that going away. You know, that has to. The shared experience has got to has got to return in some form. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I that is that is the biggest thing that separates uh, what we do. I think um, from from any from anything else. 
yeah. Um, yeah, and and David, your point, uh, your patron models out there, people pledge support and you provide exclusive content. That that's actually a huge uh, point that I need to um, highlight is that you know when you go to this model of subscription, the idea is that you only provide um, your subscribers or people that that pledge um, exclusive content. So there's like a a benefit, you know, for doing yeah. that. Um, yeah. Thanks, David, for for chiming in there. Yeah. Um, Gus, anything you wanted to add before we jump to something else? I don't think so. It's um, it's just like it's this frustrating, exciting, inspiring conversation to talk about where we might be going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we're all we're all in this together, for yeah. better or worse. Um, so. What can uh, what can musicians do now who are suffering um, the loss of income uh, to kind of help get help them get by? Well, let, so we can maybe just be really practical for a minute. And Mark, yeah. I think got a list of links. Yeah, uh, to some organizations. Um, all of the local um, arts agencies are responding, and if you're in an organization or if you manage an organization, or if you're an individual artist, there's um, there's uh, help that is on the way. Um, uh, Arts Washington, uh, they just had a special board meeting two days ago. They're coming up with a plan. That's, that's the Washington State Arts Commission. Um, Arts Fund is our local um, nonprofit, nonprofit booster for the arts. Um, they started off by doing a bit of an analysis and they gathered uh, information from all of their uh, arts partner organizations like Early Music Seattle. And they predicted by the end of March, um, the arts sector would have lost uh, uh, 21.6 million. By the end of April, it would have lost 43.8 million. And by the end of May, 74.1 million um, in, in revenues, which translates to activity and work for musicians and artists of all kinds. Um, they're noticing that there's fear in the air for pre-sales for next season. Mm -hmm. So organizations that have already sent out their, um, their communications for next year are not, uh, the, the, the pre-sales are not booming. Um, everybody's anticipating a drop in individual donations because of the stock market, for one thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, Arts Fund has, has spearheaded a COVID-19 arts um, uh, relief fund. Um, it's uh, it, it, th theirs is targeted uh, uh, toward organizations to keep the essential functions going. And um, if you're an arts partner of um, of Arts Fund. I believe Early Music Seattle and Pacific Music Works are the two organizations that I know within Early Music that 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 are in that category. They could, we can ap apply for funds to help keep our organizations open. Mm -hmm. um, there are other agencies that are really busy um, thinking about individual artists themselves. And so if you are a performer or work in the cultural field, um, there's uh, $100,000 available for immediate relief um, for artists and creative people. Um, and if you go to their website, you can see how that is um, uh, evolving. Also, they set aside a million dollars for art stabilization for uh, organizations that are suffering. And Early Music Seattle, Bird Ensemble, um, uh, Gallery Concerts, Pacific Music Works, uh, all of these local early music organizations are probably qualified um, to receive help. Yeah. Uh, for culture, is that's King County. A million dollars uh, set aside for organizations and individuals. They're still planning. Um, also locally, Artist Trust. Um, if you go to their website, um, they have a fund that is currently at a quarter of a million dollars. I believe individuals only. Are, are going to be helped by that fund. So uh, uh, take a look. And if you are a, a, a local musician, you can apply immediately for some of these things. Um, then finally, I should mention our national organization, Early Music America. 
uh, is really taking the, the lead. They have a relief fund um, that is now at 36, almost $37,000 with a goal of 50. And uh, you don't have to be a member. If you're an individual artist, you don't have to be a member. Uh, you can immediately apply and get a check for $250 while funds last. It's not a lot of money, um, but along with some of these other uh, uh, agencies, uh, you can get assistance, uh, short-term assistance. So I'm sure there will be more uh, rolled out in the days to come, but our local agencies and nonprofits are are doing what they can on short notice. Yeah, thanks for looking into that, Gus. I uh, I did post uh, a, all the links, the relevant links that you sent me in the in the comment section, and I'll also include this in the description uh, of this episode um, in case people find that helpful. Um, but it's sure. nice to know that um, there's some there's some there's some help out there uh, for people that um, are really feeling this right now. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's not going to um, it's not going to replace all of the, their lost revenue. Um, it's a it's a huge challenge to. I mean, what we don't want is for people to um, not be able to stay in in their fields or to move to other places that are maybe easier to live or abandon the community. I mean, um, uh, we need people here yeah. in the Northwest and we need them to stay here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let's see what else is on our t list here. Um, oh yeah, I just wanted to plug that plug Henry's um, viral videos project. Oh yeah, very creative yeah. idea. Yeah, do you want to say something about that, Gus? Um, we, may, we may both know um, about the same uh, amount of information, okay. but Lebedinsky, who is also the co-director of Pacific Music Works and wonderful harpsichordist, um, has put a lot of time into a project. Um, and I believe one of his uh, viral videos is already out there with um, uh, a musician. And um, the idea is uh, Henry has a conversation with a musician who is, you know, in the position that we, we have just described. They play a musical selection. Maybe there's more conversation. And then there is a link to that artist's um, Venmo or PayPal account. So a direct donation. Um, and it's, it's a way of showing appreciation. It's a way of uh, for artists to be able to um, show what they do, and um, and it's a way for you to be able to, to donate to an individual. So I think Henry is kind of thinking about the, this project in light of the new restrictions that are out there in terms of people gathering for non-essential reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, as soon as there's a way forward, he's going to continue the project and... Uh, in the meantime, I'm not sure what he'll do. He may be posting uh, past videos with some of the same uh, ability to make donations. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I will be helping Henry out on this. Uh, I hopefully when when we're allowed to be in the same room together. Yeah, and, and Early Music Seattle will be a sponsor of this project too. Yeah, for sure. it's such a great idea. Yeah. Um, something it's something we can do to help um the the musicians that are struggling right now mm. um so gus is there anything you wanted to talk about before we i think we've we've exhausted our our agenda here uh, our topics yeah i mean i'll just make a few other comments about what we're up to at early music seattle mm -hmm. um i mentioned before our first uh, goal for the resources that we have and um, um, and contributions that may come in in the short term is to make things right with our artists to the, the, the degree that we have with a, a special focus on uh, people living locally who we absolutely uh, are, are absolutely essential to the arts infrastructure of early music here. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to maintain the 
the uh, infrastructure of our organization in order to be able to present concerts next year. So we're working on how to um, how to have a functional organization in really lean times. And we're also taking this downtime to try to really modernize our approach to um, uh, the internet, internet, uh, our online resources. We've just created a new Spotify and every week we add several channels to it. Um, and so maybe we're just like roaring into the 90s, if you will. I mean, <laughs> just, you know, such a focus on uh, doing things in old ways. And, uh, um, and now we have some time to, to, uh, to retool a little bit. We started a, a marketing committee with uh, members of our board who are associated uh, with Amazon and, and Microsoft. And um, we also have some help from another uh, uh, wonderful person named Sarah Thompson, who uh, has a lot of um, a very up-to-date marketing experience. And so um, with the help of these people, we're going to take this downtime to really catch up with uh, technology, both so we can uh, reach in, uh, new audiences and so we can, so we can get our content uh, where people can see it. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Does it look look? Does it look okay from this future? Look okay for you guys? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it it does. We'll we'll be fine. We'll get through this, and as soon as we're allowed to do live performances, um, we'll be doing them. Good. Yeah. Well, Gus, I I think I'm out of things to say, and uh, I just want to thank you for coming on, and yeah. thank everyone for. Uh, listening and tuning in. I thought we had a pretty rich conversation. I hope we can do this again sometime. I hope so too. And thanks for having me. And you've certainly given me the idea of using this platform to have similar conversations. Um, uh, really, if we can connect right now, I think this is like incumbent on everybody who's a music presenter or a musician um let's keep uh let's keep the value of what we do alive both in our own hearts and for uh everyone who is uh listening um i don't know about you but i'm a little bit subject to uh depression when it's raining and so now you know like if we've got rain and if we've got coronavirus and we're stuck at home it's like easy to lose heart for all this so i know it's like what's next a meteor's on its way right here to yeah. <laughs> so conversations like this i don't they really help especially when new ideas come along and then and then we can take some action so yeah. thank you thanks for thinking of this mark oh no thanks for joining me gus and uh i you're one of my greatest allies in this and um likewise yeah uh wish you and early music seattle the best so thank you great thanks everybody thank you Thank mm -hmm. you.